I have Sarah Kaderka on the podcast today. Um, she's a painter that uh, paints over exposed Polaroids as almost like a, using the Polaroids almost as a sketch, as a framework for the paintings. Uh, she's based out currently out of Glasgow, Scotland, um, but she's traveled all over the world um, creating these little little city vignettes, paintings. Yeah. They're really cool. Um, we had a really fun conversation, like always. Um, give her a follow. Um, probably the best place to see her work is on her Instagram at Sarah KKD on Instagram. Um, real colorful, fun Polaroids. Um, but I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. Like as someone who does analog photography, I was fascinated by the concept of painting on exposed Polaroids. You yeah. Know, because almost to us, if you want to say in the analog film world, the Polaroids are a precious thing because they're going away. And yeah. and they're to me when I look at those work not only are there interesting paintings on top of them, but then I'm left with the question of what's on, what's the image underneath it? And, and to me, that's like, it was one of those things where it took me on such a fascinating journey. looking at those work. I'm a, yeah, I'm a vandal. I'm a, I'm a discreet <laughs> vandal. Um, I, I'm okay. I should start by saying I'm, I'm feel such a fraud to be, treated as a photographer because I'm not a photographer at all. I, um, they can, uh, let me start. My, my now husband, when I was, he was my boyfriend and I was like, yeah, I don't know. He bought me this fantastic Christmas present that I of a, you know, one of these, you know, uh, oh, <laughs> and a load of expired film. Well, I didn't know I wanted that. He knew I wanted that anyway. So, but I was so excited and I took some shots on the brightest day possible <laughs> <laughs> and they were awful. They were dark and dreadful. And I thought, God, what am I going to do with these? Now, if I was a photographer, I'd have gone, oh, I'll get better film or I'll, get a better, I'll work on my technique or I'll buy a new camera. But I just thought, oh, I wonder if I can paint on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've got these. There were shots inside my old apartment of some flowers that he bought me. And it was such, should have been such bright orange shots. And they weren't. So I... I painted the flowers over the top and drew through them and thought, well, that's better than what I had. Um, I am not precious about things. It's weird because I like objects. And to me, every Polaroid is this beautiful little object that pops out and pops mm -hmm. in my hand or in the yeah. of my pocket. But they're there to be... They're there, they're there to be obliterated. <laughs> I in I've worked like this for six years. Um, before I used to make big, big oil paintings, but they were e equally, I'd get to the point where they'd be so beautiful. I would trash them. I would start scratching at them, scratching at them, throwing turps at them to get rid of it, to get rid of how precious or beautiful they were. So, and then they'd become something else and then I'd be happy. Then they'd be finished. So for me, um, 
yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do this anybody else's work, but my, all my Polaroids are there to be turned into something else. In six years, seven years of taking Polaroids, I have one, and I'll show you it, one that I think is a good image. Can you see it? It's probably got a yeah. reflection on it. That yeah. one is the only one I won't paint over, um, yeah. and it's fading. So I must put it in a drawer or, or a book or something. But for me, they're not they're not photographs. And actually, somebody asked me if they could buy that one. I was like, well, no, it's not. I haven't done anything to it. I've just I've just it just popped out of my camera. So I feel very funny about the idea that that I am a producer of photographs because I'm absolutely not. I'm a producer of things that set off an image for me, but they're not the image. The, the photograph thing is not in any way finished for me. Yeah. Um, so I feel very funny about the idea that I would ever sell a thing that I hadn't put some paint on. Yeah. Some of them, are, some of them, I do. I do actually only paint the sky shape because I've got enough of an image that I actually want to retain. But those are out of six years' work, I've got like a handful, maybe seven or eight that I've done that with. When when that Polaroid pops up, do you, is the painting that lands on top, so to speak? Is that a reaction, a response to the image? Is it image that's on the Polaroid? Or do you have an idea that of what's going to be painted on top? And it's a, so it. No, but I can't work without the Polaroid. So what, what I'm shooting, what I'm shooting in my head, I'm walking around cities. I'm pointing my Polaroid at the shape of the sky in between buildings. So it's the shape of the blue bit that I'm interested in. It's not the buildings, but the, the shapes of the buildings are essential to shape the sky. So what I tend to get, I haven't got any, I haven't got a single Polaroid at home apart from that one. Um, but what I get out is usually a very dark shot where I can just make out a skyline. Or I get nothing at all. I'll get a completely kind of like, I don't know, not even any glare. I, 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 um, I want to make pictures of skies, the shapes of skies in between buildings. That's what, that's what my thing is and has been for the whole of this project. But I can't do it without a thing to start with. But it, it, has to be, it, it can be really indistinct, and they usually are. I only ever shoot on a bright, sunny day with my camera and now with new film, and I get really terrible results. So I just work from that. So I paint in the sky shape and then I make up the buildings. But it gives me loads of, ex loads of um, because my shots are so bad, um, it gives me a lot of scope for inventing. Yeah. It but there's always a shot underneath. If I haven't got a shot, I kind of, there was one, there was one film where I went and shot it and I looked at them and I was really pleased and I thought I can work with these. Um, and then the next day I looked at them again and they'd all gone to black. I look back at the film. It was an impossible project film, and it was called Fade to Black. It's like, <laughs> actually, apart from somebody doing something really vile with with in front of the, the camera, wants a film that fades to black. So that those shots, I had a two, one whole film of that, or maybe two, and I had to, I just re, I invented a city on those, and those yeah. ones look like a Hanna Barbera kind of top cat city, um, but I can only do that for like eight frames, no, 16 frames. I can't do that every day. I need something there. It it reminds me a lot of uh, almost starting the idea off where, like, you need the trigger to get the wheels rolling almost. Yeah. 
and um it sort of reminds me of uh Ernest Hemingway was talking about how it it's hard to start writing and so what he would do is he would l basically leave a sentence half finished and so that when you come to it you just have to finish the sentence so yeah. these polaroids are the start of that sentence and then you just finish it by mm -hmm. painting over them I, I also love how utterly bonkers polaroid is it, it's, it's always has been i used to use it as a when i was an art student like 30 years ago when it was quite good you know the film was quite good and the camera i had was quite good um i used to use it to document the, the stages of a big oil painting because my stuff goes through 17 stages of shit to get to the end point it's i never know what i'm doing in that work i I absolutely just keep painting until something happens. But with this, I, I, they're fantastic. I can do, I know what I'm doing with this. I can, they're too, they're sometimes too easy. I can make 10 in a day, whereas a big painting, what I'm working on at the moment is three paintings, which are of the same dimensions as Polaroid, but they're big. Mm -hmm. So a Polaroid image is 7. 76 by 79 millimeters. I don't know what that is in inches, sorry. Um, <laughs> And I'm making these canvases that are 76 by 79 centimeters, so they're you know they're big. Yeah. They're taking me blooming forever. I just just taking. I started them in February, and there's still three of them. Two, one's done. Two's no. Two are nowhere near. But the Polaroid work, I can get done really fast. I can take the shots in the morning, and I can do the painters in the afternoon. I can do eight a day. I did 12 a day once, and that just always killed me. That's a, that's a bit hard, but. But yeah. it's fun. it's rapid. It's it's exciting, and it it's way too much fun. It's way too yeah. It's way too much fun. So it's slightly <laughs> slightly like cheating. <laughs> um, but, do do you find that that speed of speed of work is is satisfying compared to your previous work? Because I've I've talked to my good friend Jeffrey Sidoris. He does a bunch of podcasts. Um, he's also a painter and he has a very similar process to you in that he'll layer something, layer, just keep on layering it. And he takes a day for each layer to dry. And he, he's one of the hard, hard struggles with that is that you get amazing results, but at the sum, but you're also dragging this creation for, for <laughs> you're like almost giving birth to this creation for a month process, and it's it, it gets exhausting. Yeah, I tell you what though, I work a lot with architects. Now architects work for like 15 years, 20 years on the same project, so I kind of feel like we really have it very easy. You know, I couldn't, I get bored. I can't. I work in series. So I, at the moment, this series has been going for six years, which is which is mind blowing for me because I've never worked on anything that long. I've never done. I don't think I've ever done a job that long. Um, but it's still interesting me. It's still there's still there's still lots lots to do with it, and I'm, I'm not sure it's progressing. But I'm I still love doing it, and it's still they're looking amazing. Mm -hmm. I would say so myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm, so I'm, you know, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm doing the next city I'm doing. So now I've just moved to Glasgow a year ago. So I'm having done 400 images, 450 images of London, and I've still got stacks, stacks of raw Polaroids still to work over for London. I'm now working on Glasgow, and in the middle I've done a series on Berlin and a series on Hong Kong, a few of Sydney, but I didn't really like those that much. Not I love Sydney, but I didn't like the shots. Um, what else? 
there's another city in the middle that I've forgotten I know <laughs> but so I'm kind of I'm usually because uh, the reason I do this is because I love walking around and exploring cities and this is what I what I make from those walks um, you, I can't remember where I was going that sorry yeah. no no <laughs> it's fine um, do you do you find each city has a different feel to it which translates into the paintings themselves I hope so my biggest well, my slight worry was that I was going to make every city look the same. Um, but I guess, I mean, in Hong Kong, Hong Kong was one I've really wanted to do. I've traveled there a few times on on business when I'm not doing my own work. And I knew that Hong Kong would give me slices of sky like this, really verticals, nice. whereas Sydney was like eh, huge blue. And, and Glasgow is this funny city of amazing kind of back alleys and a different lots of different cities kinds of type signs of architecture to work with so yeah they do have different feels and i guess i do try to give them a different feel in the work i'm making the berlin ones i've used a much more sort of refined hey i sharpened my pencil basically um <laughs> I literally so what i do is i take a shot i put oil on top of it i smooth it around with my fingers so they're in so it's <laughs> So it looks like a smoother finish of oil. And then I draw through it with a blunt pencil. Okay. So in Berlin, I, I sharpened my pencil. So there are slightly more refined lines in Berlin. That's just, um, that was my different approach for Berlin. But um, yeah, I mostly like a really, a really blunt pencil to work with. And because my stuff, I think my stuff is, it's not a photograph. It is a drawing and it is a painting. Mm -hmm. It just happens to need a photograph underneath it to set it off. Oh yeah, it's that's it's one of those fun things where it's like you're you're using part you're partially using the medium of photography mm. to paint. Yeah, which which like I said fascinates me because there's so there's so many times we view art as in these channels as in I'm a painter I'm a photographer I'm a sculptor and we we don't sort of messy up the lines in between those two works, you know? I've, um, I've never been interested in technical virtuosity at all. I, I, I never wanted to, people say about my, Oh, that's really clever. It's like, that's, that's not something I want to hear. And it's, it surprised me because it's really not clever. It's actually as dumb as you can imagine. And I love the fact of layering you know, a 1950s technology layering, 400-year-old oil paint on top and then using a pencil. I mean, how ancient is a pencil? I'm very, very analog. I'm very lazy tech. And I like the fact that my stuff is really not hard to do. I'm very, also very glad nobody else is doing it. Um, mostly artists go, oh, hell, I wish I thought of that. Um, <laughs> but, but then on the other hand, it's not uh, – I haven't I, – I'm, I'm really – appreciative of the fact that the, the shoot film guys like you have kind of dig, dig what I do, like it, because actually the fine art world is going, oh, what is this? Or it's, my work is not successful in galleries. I don't have representation. I, I'm not a commercial, I'm not very commercial. Hardly anybody buys it. I'm just carrying on making it because I think it's good and I think it's worth doing. And so it's, and it's nice to me that people who are, you know, regard me as part of the shoot film thing. 
even though I destroy so many Polaroids. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's nice. Um, I did that. I did that interview with Emulsive, and that was that was lovely to have somebody be interested in the work because yeah. I just, I'm keeping on making it and putting it out there, and uh, it hasn't it hasn't really found its home mm-hmm. in the fine art world at all. Yeah, and. It's funny I've I've watched a number of different projects who like James Terry's Mind Space is a great example yeah. where it's, wonderful. it's amazing work that you would think that people would respond to as easily as say like you and I probably responded to that mm-hmm. work. But you know I haven't really talked to him per se but the feeling I get is the response has been particularly great to that work and that's been the reaction as with my work it sounds like in a lot of ways your work um, you know where it in my experience the fine art world almost wants like very specific things and then copies of those specific things yeah and yeah i think you're right i think the the hybridization which should be really easy within mm-hmm to deal within the fine art world is it, funny about photography. Um, yeah, they want, and yeah, are you not making things as big as Andrew Skirsky? Are you not making Andrew Skirsky's? Um, what do you mean you're making work on Polaroids? It's all a bit small, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, because <laughs> it's Polaroid. I get three, I get four standard questions about my work whenever I show it. It's the first one is, oh, are they rich? Is there a Polaroid? Really? Is there a Polaroid under each one? Uh, can you still get the film? Uh, what's the other one? Um, they look a lot like Polaroids, but they're not actually Polaroids, are they? Um, I spend my time talking to, talking on that level of the work, and it's you know it's, you can get a. I think it is my work is worth seeing in the real because it's on screen. It does just look like somebody who's trying to make paintings that look like Polaroids and. It's quite nice to actually feel them, you know, to know that they're not. Whenever I show them, I want them to, and the way I frame them is to so they stand slightly proud of the wall or the surface, so they do look like you've just picked them off, like your own Polaroids. Oh, sure. Or rearrange them. I like rearrange people to rearrange them too. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's funny. I I'd love to have a you know, a gallery in Hong Kong and New York and stuff showing my work, but at the moment it's like well. <laughs> Okay, you're the girl who makes funny little paintings on photos. Oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, but the drawings, I say. Oh, they're not photographs. It's like, well, yeah, it makes it too hard for people. Maybe. Yeah, when, once you you don't give them an easy box to put your work in, they sort of. Get, no, uh, I mean, I I won a load of well, a few awards when I was a a painter, um, a more straight painter, um, but you know, this work hasn't hasn't won any awards. Although I have just got through to the next round of a. Of a little prize, but I don't, I don't hold up much hope. It's one of those ones where you have to get the world and his wife to vote for your work. It's like, well, I'm not very good at that, but <laughs> vote for me, John. I'll send it to you by, by Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll find it. And I'll definitely give you a vote here. Help, help you try to push it over the edge. Uh, <laughs> but I also, you know, I, I don't. Um, I've been sort of thinking about whether they'll blow up into sort of billboard size prints or something. So, because people do want things big, I think. It, oh. it, I'm always reminded of uh, na- the Napoleon quote, where uh, 
quantity is a quality. <laughs> and, yeah, and, well, and, my old paintings, I always just used to work big, although I've never made anything bigger than I can carry in one dimension because yeah. I still remember those days when I had to carry my work inside, you know, into taxis and things. Who has a, who has a big lorry to hire? But, um, yeah, it's fun. Have you have you ever thought of getting them like either scanning them or um, getting a photographer to shoot them and then printing them larger? That's what I do. I use a, I, my um, London sets and my Berlin set have been photographed at very high res so that I can reproduce. And actually, I, I just had a somebody in yesterday who said she thought that would work with the Glasgow ones to do it. So to do, it, I'd like to see um, a. Sh- a multiple shot so like I do I set them out in grids on the wall of like a hundred mm-hmm. um, and I think I could probably get 80 on an A1 um, oh, sure. same size I'd like to do that see how that works so yeah I use a, I have to find it's funny because I have to find a good photographer to photograph my work because I can't do it because I'm not a photographer <laughs> um, so yeah <laughs> but I tend to use a photographer who um, will photograph exhibitions or, or product something like that somebody who um, can get a very. I had a very good photographer in London. I've just got to find the same kind of thing up here in yeah. the class. Yeah. Have you Have you ever thought of uh, producing a book of them? Thought of what? Uh, producing a book of them. Yeah, I'd love to do a book, but I don't know the first thing about how to make a book. Not a, a photography book. Somebody said I should do a zine, and I was like, well, I don't even know how you do a zine, so you do this stuff, don't you? I've, yeah, so back of my mind is, I want to do a book, because they're all so kind of bookable, book But I, I, I haven't even sort of started getting my head around how you plan or finance or think through that kind of thing, so. Okay. Like, yes, any publishers out there who want to help? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Like, the it's funny because my stuff also looks like a cartoon series. When as soon as I set it out, you've seen that any of my my you know, hundred on the wall. They, you follow them through because they're a a square format. They yeah. look instantly like a comic strip, and that's intentional. They're meant to be like a yeah a Hanna Barbera cartoon from my childhood or something. But there are no people in. I never have any people. Um, so they're this very boring post-apocalyptic city maybe <laughs> but it means that you can put yourself into the west bank i've never yeah. i've never made pictures of people i'm just not i'm not interested in people it's just buildings yeah makes me yeah. sound like a psycho doesn't it <laughs> no no i, I just think how you're gonna edit this to make me not sound like a psycho <laughs> <laughs> no no i at in the photography world that like there's definitely a big difference between the portrait photographers and like landscape photographers you know, there's a bunch that sort of can jump on either side, but that distinction of like, I want to photograph people or I want to photograph not people is, yeah. is pretty. So like, to me, that makes sense, you know, for, you know, I'm one of those people that will fall sort of in the middle. I haven't mm-hmm. shot a lot of people or haven't shot a lot of portraits of people. I, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people in my work, but most of the time you, they're so blurry, it's hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to tell what they course, are. I'm, I'm always getting asked, oh, did you paint the people out? It's like, well, no, because I'm painting my, you know, you're foot pointing your camera sort of street level and up, whereas I'm going completely up. So usually there's no, you know, I haven't even got tops of heads in. 
There's there are three from my Berlin series which I can't bring myself to paint over because they've got my husband in because we were walking around hot Berlin and he was pushing the pushchair with my little boy in it our little boy in it and kind of I can see him in the in the front you know I can see him in front in front of me with my with his hat and the little backpack and and I can't I can't paint over him because he never gets in my photographs so those are just had to be you know that series is went from 81 to nine, to 79 shots because there's just some I can't use. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, but usually I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I've never made work about people, but I make, I've always made work about the stuff that surrounds you and possibly, so like I used to make work about paintings about furniture and most of my work is about, built, now is about buildings and objects. And I did a whole series of paintings about, belongings and the the sort of duality of the, the idea of belongings that you know, stuff that's in your pockets mm. and how that stuff ties you to belonging to your tribe or your place or your family or inheritance that kind of thing so so i've although there are no people in my work mm-hmm. <laughs> i think of them as as peopled you know it's the stuff that directs how you are as a person in the world or how you connect to where you are mm-hmm. and it's certainly it's me as a not very tall female person going around a city looking up. It's, it's certainly, for me, it's quite specific. It's not, they're not portraits of cities, they're portraits of, they're, they're about my experience and connection to a place I'm in. Um, I, so in my, and also I thought what I sort of said years ago was like, when I first started, I thought, okay, so commission me to do any city in the world, I'll come and, I'd love to work in any city in the world. And then somebody saw my work and said, well, would you like to come to Beirut? And I had this, oh, I would love to go to Beirut. And I was like, oh, will I be able to walk around Beirut without, um, with my little boy? Um, and my husband said, I don't want you to go to Beirut while little boy is so small. You're not taking him. It's like, well, I'm not going without him. It's like, uh, won't you come too? And I thought, well, there was, there were, well, I guess what I'm saying is, I think I would go to any city where I can walk freely and know that I was safe. So there are sort of parameters to the fact that I'm a small female person going to cities and taking shots. That I work in cities where often that I'm already familiar with. I don't want to go as a first, you know, as a, a tourist or as a, a first time in a city. I revisit cities with my camera. That's what I tend to do. Um, and they are, it's predicated on me being safe enough not to need somebody to take the shots for me or to hold my hand or give me security while I'm going around a place. Mm-hmm. Having said that, yeah. I, I, there's, there's part of me would, you know, if I didn't have husband and small boy, maybe I'd be in war zones and trying to do this in, in more um, difficult places. Mm-hmm. So... But it's, they're definitely about my experience of the city and, and the photograph, the photographic thing I produce and stuff in my pocket and then come back to later is what is what record, gives me enough information to, to work on a shot of an image from later. Mm-hmm. Well, you said, yeah, you said you you don't like shooting cities that you're there for the first time. Yeah. It, can you sort of explain that? Like... I th- I think I know what you mean because I I struggle going to cities that for the first time because 
what I'm photographing is often the most obvious thing. And like it's almost like the the top cer- top layer of a city. Yeah. And and you know like I went to a whole bunch of national parks recently uh and a lot of my images are what everybody takes of going to national parks because that's the most obvious thing that hits yeah. you. And and as someone who likes to go a little deeper into a place, you know, that bothered me about my own work a little. Yeah. Um, is that something that is, yeah, but the, is, is that a similar with you or is it, or is there something else that is, that causes that, like, you don't like doing it? The first, you know, I, think, I think it's very similar. I think um, there are lots of painters of cityscapes who are, or photographers of cityscapes, who are there to do a thing. They're there to, and their thing is to make a recognizable part, portrait of that city, the recognizable parts of that city. I'm, this, my project stems from being embedded in a quite un unlovely but trendy part of London. I used to be in East London and this started when I walked to the studio and back from where I lived. And then I started my safaris further out. So I was dealing with the back streets and I, and then when you, when you trodden, you know, you've trodden the back streets and you're taking shots there and that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in the anonymous buildings that you walk past every day or you live in or you work in or you just didn't notice. It's like the stuff in your pockets that you, you know, you kind of, if they're too familiar, you don't notice them. And I'm not trying to say in my work, you should notice this. It's just like, that's the stuff that interests me. So that's what I'm doing. Um, so, and then the corollary from that, or the you know extension of that is to, is to veer away from the landmarks, to not do the, you know, the bits of the city that are familiar. The city the opera house. Yeah, the, you know, so, London Bridge, <laughs> you know. So, it be, but, so, and I think when you first go to a city, this is where we, were, where we started on this, isn't it? When you first go to a city, it's inevitable. You, you're, you go to the, one, the bits that everybody wants to see in a city. Um, pe- the only people who've bought this work um, so far have been ones who wanted, say, a London picture that didn't scream London. You know, it's about kind of what it feels like to be a Londoner rather than a, a visitor to London. Um, I do routinely get people wanting to know where particular images are, and most of the time, I can't remember, <laughs> or I've made them up, or edited them, or so much, or I've changed them so much that they're really not recognisable. Mm-hmm. You can't steer around a city from my shots because I they're made up cities in my head that just start from the skyline that I photographed. Um, so going back to a city, it's I kind of already know my way around is useful. Um, I've got a list of cities I want to go back to, like place I lived in Nairobi when I was a kid in in Kenya. I'd love to go back there, and that isn't about familiarity. That's about some kind of personal connection to a city. Um, you know, I've been at Shang- I'd love to go back to Seattle. I remember Seattle being a a place I was just for, there for a, a couple of days on business years ago, and I I think I think that's the city I'd like to shoot again um, to work from. And and actually, Glasgow really reminds me of Seattle in some funny ways. There's you know hills and brownstones and different different a, a mix of a mix of architecture is interesting mm-hmm. to 
but you know i'd love to go back to san francisco or shanghai um but yeah I, so the the place i've done so far berlin is the one that i knew least i didn't really know where the hell i was in berlin and i kept are we on the east or are we on the west i you know i didn't know at all um yeah. i had so we took four days there to sh- to shoot how many films i can't remember how many films lots um and hong kong i think i only shot well i ended up with 56 so i can't do numbers um Polaroid used to have 10 shots in each and my lovely camera, old crashing camera, still counts to 10 each time and it goes, hey, what's, where's, now there are only eight shots in this film, what's going on? <laughs> I've been shortchanged. Yeah. Um, so. Have you noticed uh, a difference painting-wise with the difference in films? From like, it, like has, mm. has the underlying medium, it's changing in evolution from mm. Polaroid impossible project and is now i guess now back to polaroid has that changed the the paintings on top or has it been fairly consistent i don't think it has i'll tell you what is different most films you try you they keep changing the color of the white section the the white frame so uh, maybe most people can't see it but as an artist you can see a different white from a different white and so i find that i can't put certain ones together once they've been painted because they don't have the same frame color or the same slight difference in texture but no the painting on top is made whether i get a good shot or not is it's just still so random for me i i can't see any any it's not gone back to the glory days of great polaroid at all so i i suspect it's actually still impossible project quality just with a polaroid wrapper on it to be honest and i you know i was really pleased to use impossible project stuff because at least i had something to work on Mm-hmm. When I when I broke open my first new Polaroid this year, I suddenly thought, "What if they're going to come out really good?" And then that's the end of my project because <laughs> I can't paint Polaroid if they're too good. But luckily, I, me and my camera still take really bad Polaroids, so <laughs> I'm, no, that that worry was unfounded. Yeah, have you have you um, ever have you ever considered? As I said, I'm not interested in technical virtuosity. <laughs> I might have come across. Um, there's this thing that Warhol said that technique is not meaning, and I've, I kind of that one rings in my head the whole time. It's like do being good at something is not the point, is it? It never has been for me. Yeah, yeah. If I wanted to be good at something, I'd have gone and done any of the zillion jobs that I was quite good at and didn't, you know, only did because I wanted to be in the studio. So. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you thought about um, doing something where you paint over prints, meaning? Me, like, prints of of stuff so like uh, in my head in my head i'm looking at it from the standpoint of so you have the base level is some sort of photography mm-hmm. you know can you can you take that idea or play with that idea but in another form of photography than just polaroids to uh, to change the size issue for you so that yeah, you there's a, I can't remember his name, but there is a photographer in the States who pounced on my work and went, oh, I like this. And he does quite big scale, oh, I can't remember who it is at all, but he does quite big scale prints from his Polaroids. And he said, we should do a collaboration. And I said, well, I could do that if you're printing onto something like, you know, that has a, a plasticized and quite a thick mm-hmm. um, surface, but I couldn't do that under a print because 
I'm only interested in working in oil and that would just bleed straight through and, and you wouldn't have anything at all. But so I guess I'm not saying no, but I don't, I'm could a bit you, wedded to what I do. <laughs> could you print them, print them on canvas? Would canvas provide No, because then I'd be back into how I work on canvas in such a different oh, way. Oh, okay. Jeez, this is going to take me three months. And, and I'm not, no, I, something, um, I have tried to, because I draw with my lovely blunt pencil on top of the Polaroid when I've got the oil on, I've tried doing that at canvas and I just can't get the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's a matter of trying to use a more, a smoother surface, but mostly I'm just not interested in doing the same thing in two different media. Sure. I get, I go, yeah, not doing yeah. it. Sorry, I'll do something yeah. different in this media. Yeah. Yeah. So my my drawings are highly worked and really um, really delicate, but mm-hmm. my work on Polaroid is actually very slabby and very sketchy and very fast. And on on oil paintings, I do something different, which is about layering and months and months and then seeing what happens. I, I the, um, so the reason yeah. I the reason I ask yeah the reason the reason I ask is uh so I have I have a big uh, film back that shoots panoramic mm-hmm. so and I would I was just trying to the, what popped in my head was if I could shoot an image of basically get the sky bit but mm-hmm. on instead of a single alleyway get a whole city landscape city landscape Ooh. itself so that you could literally paint a city across it instead of just a single slice of a city i like uh, the slices i like the slices yeah. <laughs> I what, um i have worked for the, the last 10 years with a big building engineering firm um latterly I, I i wrote myself this fantastic job description where i was there I was their global artist. I brought an artist brain to their projects. But I started off doing their communications, you know, mm-hmm. words and pictures that were meant to be kind of like marketing, but I was I was making it up as I went along. And they were forever doing these fantastic composite skylines of all the buildings they'd made in the world. And they all looked so awful. <laughs> so I think I'd probably say no to the whole city thing. Yeah. But if but I guess thing if you ever have any shots that are on large-scale Polaroid or anything thick enough and you think they're rubbish, send them to me and I'll see what I can do with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, I remember James Tarry saying, oh, he was really pissed off with the whole load of Polaroids. So I was like, send them to me. I'm sure I can do something on top of them. But, but then on the other hand, I try not to debase anybody else's work or obliterate anybody else's pictures. So it's just yeah. mine. Yeah, and... Let me state this: I'm not trying to change your work. Your work's lovely as it is. It's just one. <laughs> it no, just, no, no, no. I'm, I'm open to progression. Another idea, but then I might stop making this work. I get bored once I stop a series. I then move on to the next thing. So, um, yeah. somebody said, "Well, keep on with this until you, until you've done all the cities you want to do, and then let yourself move to something else." But I don't yeah. know. I, I've always struggled with how do you know when a series is done? Ah, oh, you just know. You just know. I don't know. Uh, 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 the next thing has already started before you realise. That's that's where I've been, where I've been. Yeah. Because uh. like, I I know in the past I I'll reach a point where I'm getting frustrated with my own work, and mm-hmm. I and usually that's a sign that something new's gonna come down the pipe. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's I'm tired of what I'm doing, and so 
my brain subconsciously starts looking for something new to sort yeah. of, you know, play with. But there, there are times where I feel like, oh, is this the end? And then I find like a new facet or a new little feature of the whatever, and I go right back into it, you know, and I keep on playing with it. So I've ne- I've never really been like 100%, oh, it's done, then move on to something else like that. Well, it's not like writing a thesis or an essay, is it, where you kind of, you've done what you set out to do, partly because I... I I develop my own rules on the way, and you can break your own rules, obviously. Um, but it's not like you're a scientist setting out to prove something or disprove something. You're kind of starting something to see where it gets you. But then I never know where it was I was trying to get to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. What, that's what keeps you working, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Um, early on in the conversation, you were talking about your earlier paintings. And you said yeah. that you you reach a point where they're too beautiful and you have to almost, yeah. like, dirty them up and kind of, <laughs> you know, like... Um, <laughs> it's usually if one element of it is too beautiful, I'm kind of, you know, there's a bot- there's a section that I just think is gorgeous and the rest of it won't doesn't catch up. So it's just you have to trash the whole thing. Um, I'm very... I'm, I'm quite keen on trashing things, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, if something, one part of what you're doing is resolved, then the rest is not going to be there until you pull it back all to the same stage or to, back to ground zero. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but with me trashing a big painting, so with the Polaroid work, I've never had to do that. I've just, I just move on to the next one. And some of them work and some of them don't. But when you've got a whole wall of 200 of them, the ones, the ones that don't work can be can be just held up by the others that do, um, and it's part of the repetition and the mass is the point. But yeah, um, but with oil paintings, uh, oil paintings is much harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not sure there are any. I'm not sure why I'm still making them because I'm not sure they're that good. But there's something very compelling about making paintings. That's I've been doing this. I've been I've been an artist for 30 years, and something keeps keeps me making wanting to make the next thing yeah yeah even though they, you know this uh, people are more likely to buy the paintings than the oil than the polaroid work but i actually think the polaroid work is is the most original work i've done um and it'll find its place i hope <laughs> uh i forget who said it but someone said if you actually have an in- original idea you will have to beat people into submission to get them to accept it. There's something to that effect. I'm pushing the actual quote. Was like, he's like, he's like, don't be afraid of people stealing your ideas. You'll basically have to <laughs> hurt somebody yeah. to try to get them to accept it. You know. That's that's a good that's a good, that's a good rule. Um, yeah, there's something about this. I know as. Um, so I stumbled on it, as I said, by make, take, thinking, what do you do when you take terrible Polaroids? Um, you keep taking terrible Polaroids and see what you can do with them. Um, yeah, there's something really worth doing in this, I think. Um, so I'm not willing to give it up, and I'm not willing to stop hitting people over the head with it. But then my version of that is, is quite subtle. I just keeps going, look at what I do. Look at what I do. Look, I'm doing this. Please don't do the same, but come and have a look at what I do. I... Uh, yeah, so I've done a few art fairs in the last four years or so. And people, there's always somebody who loves the work. There's, there are people who buy the work and love the work, but not enough to make me any 
you know, to even cover my costs at those things. So I was, I'm trying to work out what you do next to get the work out. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. That that's that's the challenge of all. I think a lot yeah. of people, you know, that's my, that's my challenge. You know, where in the past you had to get past like one or two gatekeepers that were, you know, like there was specific gatekeepers that are preventing everyone from, you know, like getting into the galleries yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Where now we're trying, to, we have to, we have to be, we have to fight, break through the noise. Mm. You know, it's, there's no gatekeepers, but now there's just a flood of everything else. <laughs> and, and so, and so the challenge is actually getting your, your work noticed mm. at no noticed in a way where I think, I think you and I, our work is not for everybody. Not mm. because it, not because it's, it's, bad or what not not because of the work itself but because the work is specific enough and original enough mm. that there's a certain number of people that look at it and go it's not for me and and mm. on the flip side there's there's people who look at it and go yes that's 100 like you know there's just yeah. immediate gut reaction of you don't have to be convinced that this is good work mm. And the problem is you just have to get your work in front of enough people to find yeah. that group of people who are who are a hundred percent in on that work. Yeah. <laughs> tell me when you get the answer to that one. We just keep going, don't we? That's you know, it's um that's what we do. I I uh I remember a tutor saying, you know, I th well, I think I've heard it on one of your podcasts as well. You know, you can't, you don't, it's a bad idea to keep creative people from what they do because it, it's harmful if it keep it inside. You just, you know, you keep on doing it. I had a, I know exactly the date from which I became an artist. I stopped being an art student on a particular day and I was like, well, this is, there's no choice now. This is me for the rest of my life. And it's the joy of a vacation. I've done all sorts of jobs, but the vocation has been absolutely unwavering since that particular day. Um, so you don't have a choice; you just carry on doing it. Well, what was there anything different about that day, or is it just one of those? Oh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a sad one. I'm afraid it's um, oh. uh, it, it's you know, 30 years ago. But one of my when I was a student, an art student, and I was this um, nice, well brought up polite, bright, creative person at arts at some um, university doing my fine art degree. And one of my friends died. He died of meningitis. And I was out, I was out, I went out to the studio and I came back to find very, you know, people have been trying to get hold of me to tell me that this friend had died of meningitis and they were needing to test us all to see if we had the same bacterial thing. Um, and I just remember you know, it was kind of like everything. that bit in films where everything goes into technicolor and you just don't have a choice anymore. This is, you know, you're not a student anymore. This is the rest of your life. Um, and that's that's it. You know, I absolutely am sorry I'm getting there. It's still it's still upsetting, obviously, because he was 21 and, you know, I'm now a lot older than that. <laughs> um, he didn't make 22, but I've got to 
somehow got to 50. Um, it's just, you know, it's, that's when that's when I know that the die was cast. You know, I, do, I don't, I think my, my parents still kind of hope that I would gonna get some proper job, but oh, well. <laughs> I've had lots of proper jobs, but none of them has been the point. They've all been just day jobs to keep me in the studio making pictures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember uh, I was working for a bank in New York and I, w- I was incredibly unhappy with who I was in the job yeah. and I was in this position where I was I was doing the work of a, what a previous team of like six or eight people had done. And <laughs> well, was, they had it, a lot of confidence uh, in you then. <laughs> it, and... So I showed up on a Wednesday in shorts, t-shirts, and a flip-flops and was basically like, what are you going to do? And when when no one said anything about it, I was like, well, I'm going to have to fire myself. Like, <laughs> like the, if, the, if they're not going to do it for me, I'm, I'm going to have to fire myself. <laughs> yeah. it was... I, I have had... I've got this crazy CV of just like so many jobs. And I, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday about how much I love leaving jobs. <laughs> lovely. I'm in this lovely position now where I kind of seem to be managing without even having to have a day job, which is amazing. Um, I'm not sure how long it will last. But yeah, leaving jobs has always been my finest hour. <laughs> I'm just like, well, uh, I don't need you. I, this isn't my real job. so Yeah. Um, but no, a friend of mine has a similar story to yours where she had to go to an interview in order to keep pe- receiving benefits for being unemployed. So she just thought, well, I'm going to go and, yeah, in flip, flip, flip-flops or, well, yeah. I'm just Australian, so I don't call them that, they call them jandals, yeah. um, and shorts, and I'm going to put my feet on the desk. And the guy who was interviewing her was so impressed. He was like, <laughs> she had to work for her for five years and she couldn't get sacked because she couldn't do anything. You know, she, she just thought you loved her vibe. It's like, Argh! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, world of work is a weird one. Um, I have done so many different jobs. I went to the stock exchange for a while, which was a strange one. My dad got very excited about that one. He really thought <laughs> I was going to be George Soros or something, but I can't count, so that wasn't very likely. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, my, the current kind of work thing I do, which is the consultancy with these building engineers, that's good. They're interesting. They have different kind of brains, and they seem to... You know, I can sit in a meeting and go, but hey, but why don't we do it pink? <laughs> or, what is that? I can just ask dumb questions, basically, and it moves the conversation forward. So it's quite good. Yeah. I, I, I don't do it very often. I'm usually, I'm, I'm now, for the first time in years, I'm a full-time artist, so that's, nice. that's good. Yeah. I mean, right now, I, let, I watch my kid during the day do oh. photography, and I, I work at a grocery store at night. You know, okay. it's, you know it's one of those things where it just... I, I make enough money. We all money. have three jobs. We all yeah. have at least three jobs. <laughs> it's one of those where yeah, I just I try to make... Yeah, I my years in retail. I worked in shops for years. I, uh, I had some very interesting experiences working in shops. I once served... Um, I worked in a very posh men's shirts shop in London, in a famous part of London that's, you know, kind of like Savile Row, or I don't know if that, that translates, but um, yeah. I once had to sell shirts to General Pinochet, Oh, which was wow. an interesting experience when cool. you don't realize who you, they're just it's just another rich guy with heavies there were quite a lot of them um and then you looked at his credit card and went oh thank you and it just said pinochet chili it didn't say mister it didn't say curdling. it's like oh i don't i feel dirty ah. and he yeah 
Because when he came back in the next day because he'd liked the service, it's like, oh, go away, and I don't know who you are. Yeah. So. Oh, I I bartended uh, a couple years ago, and uh, we were right across the street from a small concert venue, and so mm-hmm. like I've uh, I've served a lot of like probably B and C level celebrities, you know. Mm-hmm. I hung out with like James Blunt for a night because he was he was over there and we're like a yeah. British brew pub in the U.S. and so he came over and with and basically I drank beers with we closed up shop and we drank beers mm. with him till like four in the morning <laughs> like Mandy Moore like just weird collection of random people. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I would not want to drink beers with General no, Finnish. No, I would not either. <laughs> yeah. no. um, so I'm I'm capable. I was um, every day job I've ever done. I've I've done way too well. You know, they've kind of offered me promotions and things, and I've just got oh, but this was just a day job. I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm too involved here. But, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm too good at being polite and obsequious to fascists, frankly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, why don't you let people know where they can find your awesome work? And, uh... Uh, well, everything kind of goes on Instagram. Um, um, with my complicated surname on Instagram, I am at Sarah K K D. Um, and that's kind of it, really. I do have a website, sarahkaderka.com, but I'm rubbish at uh, updating it very often. So it's it's quite it's quite yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm quite about Instagram at the moment, um, and yeah, I'll be put it. I'm yeah. yeah, I'm not a very good publicist. <laughs> yeah, no worries. As a lot of us struggle with that, you know, as well. But well, it's, it's funny. It's funny because I I'm quite pleased with Instagram because it's it's just visual. You know, you can I can make a work and put it straight up. Um, yeah, I like to show. And what what's great about making this work is I can, compared to my old stuff, which was you know big and heavy, and I had to hire vans and things for it. This I can take a whole show in my backpack, <laughs> or in my pocket actually. I can yeah. get like a hundred, a hundred paintings in my pocket. It's something nice. <laughs> so, that's yeah. But I so hide. yeah. Um, so Sarah Davenport. Ah, that's my old name, SarahKaderka.com. I only got, I only changed my name six years ago when I got married, and it's exactly the point at which I started making this work. So I reinvented, along with a new set of work. I got really, I started this work when we came back from our honeymoon, and I had a brand new name. Mm-hmm. My old name was shared by a couple of other artists, so I was quite pleased to get. <laughs> yeah. To my dad. <laughs> That's um, always handy when you don't have to fight for uh, website names. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even if you have one that nobody can pronounce and nobody can spell, it's, um, yeah. it's an advantage. It's good. Um, yeah, but I highly recommend giving you a follow on uh, Instagram. 